The surface level answer is peace of mind. But then, okay, what does peace of mind mean? What does that mean? What What are you wanting to do? Okay, well, I want we want to take a you know a big vacation every single year. We want to put that in. Okay, we want to see our family. Anyway, then you start digging down to what they really want to do. It's not just oh, peace of mind. Well, okay, what does that mean? So. I've gotten much better over the years in, in asking different questions and digging and digging and digging and digging. And that's the only way to get to what people truly want when it comes to their goals or promises in retirement. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Well, everybody talks about setting goals and wanting to have goals. Got to have goals for retirement, right? It's easier said than done. What exactly goal, what goals do I need to have? How do I set those goals? Are they realistic? We're going to be talking about that today and try to help you actually lay out those goals for your financial planning and for your retirement as well and try to make it a little easier to understand and uh, plus kind of give you a little, little direction as well. And we'll have that conversation as always with Ryan Ledden, the president and financial coach of Black Oak Asset Management. Ryan, how you doing today? Uh, doing well, Ben. Just had to get my boat paddle out and get to work today. It's the weather in Atlanta <laughs> has gone from a flood to snow to 70 degrees now back to a flood in a matter of a week. So it's awesome. Yeah, that's always great. I, I've seen that. It's been like across the country almost. There's been so <laughs> yeah. much rain, but that's the South for you. You get uh, all kinds of weather in, in really a matter of days. Like I've, I remember days when it would be when I was in college, there was a, a, an afternoon in December where it was like 65, 70 degrees. We had a tornado come through, and then that night it was snowing. Like, and that's that's <laughs> like that's not out of the ordinary for people in the South. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, we have a great show today. We're going to be talking uh, financial and retirement goal setting. We'll do that in just a little bit. But I want to start the show today with some mailbag questions, uh, as we always do on the show. We take mailbag questions from. Uh, listeners, you can send them in at blackoakam.com, or you can call with any questions always to Ryan's office at 470-508-0508, and we'll take them, bring them on the show, and ask the ones that uh, we think will help as many people as possible. We'll try to get to as many questions as we can from episode to episode. So we got a couple that I want to take on today, and we'll start with Jerry and Milton. Who said, I just looked at my social security estimate that shows how much I'll get if I started at ages 62, 66, and 70. I'm blown away by how much more I'd get at 70. So I'm inclined to just wait until that point to start it, even though I'll probably retire around 66 or 67. I'm assuming that putting it off like this is the best course of action for someone like me. Is that right? That's a great question, Jerry. Uh, so there's a lot of different things that, that come into play here. Um, with Jerry, is, is Jerry married? Because if he is, then there's spousal benefits and there's a, a, a different different claiming strategies that you can do there. So just like with any strategy that you'll hear me say on this show 10 million times is there's pros and cons to each. And we just have to figure out, okay, that's better for my situation and vice versa. But 
yes, he, he is correct in saying the longer you wait, that the, the more benefit you're going to get. That's not new information. Uh, the government the last few years have closed up a lot of loopholes that, that were a lot of planning strategies. And, and the one that's most well known is file and suspend. And I'm not going to spend any time on it because it's gone. Uh, but it was probably one of the most advantageous claiming strategies that you could use, but it's gone. So we're going to put that one to bed and not even worry about it. But yes, so if for most people, uh, as we're getting older and older, the, the full retirement age is 67. Now that depends on what year you're born in. So if you're born before 1960, it's going to be, you know, 66 and so many months depending on your retirement age. But for this sake, for most people, uh, it's 67 years of age. Well, each year that you delay that Social Security benefit, at least as of today, the, the federal government could change this, you get an 8% increase each year on your benefit. Well, I'm not going to speak for every financial advisor out there, but I cannot look anyone in the eye and tell them, I guarantee you 8% rate of return on whatever strategy that you are using that's not out there. With interest rates being so low, there's no product or strategy out there. So if it's something they can wait on, okay, usually, again, usually it's better to wait, but gosh, there's so, I mean, health, uh, longevity, again, spouse, their benefit. I mean, there's so many different things to think of because there's just so many different factors, but if people wait until they're 70, yes, your benefit is going to be much, much higher. So sometimes a strategy to use is, okay, Jerry, what kind of assets do you have? Do you have enough assets to be able to take more out of your, your different assets, your different buckets, whether it's a Roth or an IRA or a brokerage account? Do you have enough assets to pull from there to meet your income needs and keep delaying social security? Because again, it's a guaranteed 8% gain on your monthly benefit. So if you can do that, then it makes sense. But also too, there is kind of a break even and, and don't quote me on this break even, but usually the break even if you delay it until 70 is around 80, 81 years old. So if you pass away before that age, then you kind of didn't benefit from waiting that long. Uh, if you passed away after that, you kind of beat the actuary tables on the social security benefits. So a lot of different factors. Uh, it's definitely not blanket advice to wait until 70, but he is right. It, your your benefit is, is pretty significant if you can wait till 70. Yeah. A lot of factors to consider, Jerry. That's why you need somebody to coach you through that. Like uh, Ryan saw, you know, suggest you sit down and talk to somebody about uh, what you, where you are, your position and, and see if that is the best route for you. Our uh, next question comes in from Emily. She's in Sandy Springs. It appears that I'm now able to contribute more to my 401ks this year than I was allowed to last year. Is it safe to assume I should go ahead and put in the extra amount? Well, I'm, I'm never opposed to people saving more money. That is that is for sure, because I think it's a, a problem in this country that people don't save enough. But yes, yeah, she's right. In 2020, qualified plans like 401ks, 403bs, all the number and alphabet soup that's out there in the the IRS tax code for retirement plans. But yeah, they did bump it up. Uh, the IRS is very generous and they allowed people to put an extra $500 in this year. Uh, and that usually changes from year to year. But if you're under the age of 50, uh, you can put up to 19500 If you're over the age of 50, they call it a catch-up clause and you can add uh, an additional amount to that nineteen five. 
and it takes you up to $26,000. And none of those totals include the employer match. That's just, if you have a match, the employer match is just on top of that. So if you can save more, great. Again, the biggest caveat for me is, do they offer a Roth component to that retirement plan? And it's amazing how many people tell me no. Oh, no, no, no. We don't have, we don't have a Roth in, inside of our 401k. Well, are you sure? Have you asked? And sometimes when they're in my office, I'll have them log in and we'll put it on the TV screen and it'll say, it won't, sometimes it won't say Roth 401k, it'll say pre-tax and after-tax. That after-tax bucket, that's a Roth. So if you have that, oh my gosh, again, not blanket advice here, but I would try to take advantage of putting that money in there because you can put up to $26,000 into a Roth IRA. That's insane because if you did an outside Roth, that's outside of your 401k, you can only put up to $6,000 if you're under the age of 50 or $7,000 over the age of 50. So that's a huge difference between the two. So first and foremost, let's find out if we got a after-tax or Roth 401k component and yeah, try to beef that up. But yes, I mean, if you can afford to put in more, I 100% would be in favor of increasing that dollar amount. So thanks for that question. If you ever have a question that you want us to get uh, answered on this show, or at least get Ryan's thoughts on a topic, you can always send it in to blackoakam.com or connect uh, Facebook, social media, or just call. You can just do the old-fashioned way and just give us a call at 470-508-0508, and we'll uh, bring the questions on the show and try to answer them so everybody can get the value out of it. Well, today's main topic is how to set financial and retirement goals. You know, we talk all the time about how people need to give their dollars purpose or set goals for their retirement and even specifically for certain investments, but we never really get specific about how to how to accomplish that. So let's dive deeper into what different goals look like for various folks approaching retirement. How do you determine if a goal is re- realistic or, or out of reach? We'll tackle all those things today on this episode and during this conversation. So I'm going to throw out uh, a couple questions for you, Ryan, on on setting goals, and uh, you help me kind of work through these because you know we 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 talk about having goals all the time, but how do you come up with those goals and establish them? So, first things, uh, specific financial goals obviously are going to be different for every individual person, but are there any general goals that you feel everyone should be shooting for? Yeah, generally, I mean, in retirement, most of the time, people it's. It's more emotion than anything. I think it almost feels like when when we are in the accumulation phase, so those of us that are still working, uh, it's more about the numbers and how much I'm saving and how much do I need and what's my rate of return. So it just, the accumulation mindset seems to be very different than the decumulation mindset. It's more about emotion and peace of mind. That's, you know, that's thrown out there a, a great deal. Most of the time when people get in retirement, they don't want to worry about this stuff. And so that's why some people may not need an advisor while they're in the accumulation phase and they're just plowing through it. But then when they get to the to retirement or the decumulation phase, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to take this money out efficiently. I mean, it's a there's a method to the madness and it is completely different than when you're saving. Because when you're saving, it's your dollar cost averaging while you're putting money in, you know, every paycheck or every month. And then your reverse dollar cost averaging in retirement. So you're taking money out even when the market is up or down, whatever it may be. So it's more emotion-based when you get to retirement because you got certain things that you want to do and looking at this stuff each and every day 
is not what most people want to do. Now, there's plenty of people that do, but those people are not my clients. <laughs> it's the yeah. people who want help and don't want to worry about this stuff. And that's where we guide people and help them. But there are plenty of people that this is a hobby for them and they want to do it. More power to them, but they're not working with us. I got you. Well, if somebody does come in and they want to work with you and they sit down and they say, hey, let's lay out some goals. Uh, how do you help someone determine uh, their own specific goals? Uh, this is where part of my job title is a therapist, I think, um, amongst, you know, marriage counselor, tax planner. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a lot, but, and it's up to me to, to find that answer. Cause a lot of times people don't know that that word goal is just thrown around a ton. And I was recently listened to another podcast. Like I said, in the first episode, I, I listened to a bunch. So I cannot remember the gentleman who was talking about it, but he doesn't use goals. He uses promises. And I'm like, ooh, that's that's really good because you make a promise, it's got some clout to it. But when you make a goal, it's like, okay, there's my goal. Oh, okay, I missed it. Okay, I still did this. So I'm not saying goals are a bad thing, but it's just that word promise just is like, oh man, that kind of punches you in the gut a little bit more than a goal. But when we ask them, you know, what, what they want in retirement, I usually don't say goals. What what do you want? Because that's essentially what it is. And so most of the first answers they give me is very surface level, but that's with any person. I, I mean, I was just at a, a advisor workshop two days ago and, and one of the advisors was asking a question. Everybody kind of gave the teed up response and then it's like, no. And then there's a follow-up question and then a follow-up question and then a follow-up question. And then it, you got down to the emotion of what it was. So the surface level answer is peace of mind or you know something like that or financial independence or not worrying about running out of money, but then, okay, what does peace of mind mean? What does that mean? What, what are you wanting to do? Okay. Well, I want, we want to take a, you know, a big vacation every single year. We want to put that in. Okay. We want to see our family. Anyway, then you start digging down to what they really want to do. It's not just, Oh, peace of mind. Well, okay. What does that mean? So mm-hmm. I've gotten much better over the years in, in asking different questions and digging and digging and digging and digging. And that's the only way to get to what people truly want when it comes to their goals or promises in retirement. And I guess when you, you know, you talk about goals versus promises, uh, I guess with goals too, you can kind of set them to be pretty outrageous a lot of times. And especially with money, I guess people probably come in with some pretty unrealistic goals like, oh, I want to have $5 million before I retire or whatever it is. What are some of those unrealistic goals that you've seen people bring to you and throw out to you when you've had these conversations? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, wide range. So yeah, that's a good example that you brought up. Oh, I want to have $2 million in the bank uh, before we retire. Okay. Why do you want $2 million? Well, I read that you need to have a certain amount because you can take 4% out per year and blah, blah, blah. Well, when you get to retirement, it's not, yes, you want to save as much as you can. It's not as much about nest egg as it is about income. It's about creating income and knowing that you're not going to run out of money based off of your lifestyle. So sometimes we do get that, hey, I want to save and get this amount. So that's a great goal to have, but don't feel like you're failing depending on what your lifestyle and income needs are in retirement if you only saved 1.5 or 1 million. I've seen people retire on a whole lot less because it's all about lifestyle and the income that you need. If you have a great social security benefit, whether it's just you or you and your spouse, maybe you got a small pension in there. You know, you start adding those buckets of money together and all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh wow, there's $5,500 coming in without blinking an eye or $6,000 or whatever that, because if you get two good social security benefits, 
you can get to six grand in, in a heartbeat. Uh, I've seen it many, many times. And again, there's, like I said, uh, maybe a small pension somewhere, but you start looking at how much income you can generate off this thing, off the nest egg that you have. And sometimes it's more than you think. And so that's where sometimes you may be able to retire before you get to that, you know, $2 million goal or whatever that goal may be. So, but again, it boils down to lifestyle. I mean, if people need this huge outrageous number of what they need on a monthly basis in the nest egg, can't generate it, well, then sometimes it's very unrealistic or maybe they want to pull a large percentage out of their account. And sometimes that's unrealistic because you're still taking money out when the market goes down too, just like when you're taking it out when the market goes up. So, if you're taking big chunks out when it's going down, then that can be the death of your nest egg and you could 100% run out of money. Yeah, that's not, that is definitely not where you want to be in retirement for sure. So, if people are trying to put together goals, what kind of advice or kind of guidance would you give them in terms of how to set a, a realistic and achievable financial goal? Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's the process that we take people through. It's again, it's asking the right questions It's continually to dig. And when we go through these scenarios with people, we definitely don't paint the rosy best picture. Um, and what I mean by that, I don't, and I don't like to say we paint the worst case scenario. Sometimes we paint the least case scenario. And, and what I mean by that is, okay, let's maybe use more conservative rates of return and let's bake in, you know, market corrections because, you know, I've seen people bring in a financial plan and they have a linear, you know, 6% rate of return. Well, that's not realistic. That's not going to get you to the finish line because there's going to be down years, no matter how you're invested, there's going to be down years in there. So, so we like to kind of paint the least case scenario because when you get to retirement, and this is in, in the, one of the chapters in the book that I wrote, there's a difference. When you get to retirement, there is a difference between average rate of return and consistent rate of return. Average rate of return is, you know, what we see on our statements. Oh, we've averaged 8% over the last 10 years, whatever it may be. That's your average rate of return. Well, when you get to retirement, you're not shooting for an average rate of return. You, you need to shoot for a more consistent rate of return. So, we want the guardrails of our portfolio to be squeezed a little bit. And we, we don't want the big roller coaster. It's still going to go up and down, but we want more of a smooth path because as you're taking money out, you want that more consistent rate of return. It's not going to hurt your nest egg as much. But if we're shooting for an average rate of return and you have this huge amounts of volatility, your average rate of return may be higher, but the chances of you running out of money are much greater. So how do we construct a portfolio? Again, like I said, the guardrails, I like to use that as an analogy. What do those guardrails look like on the nest egg that we do have? And okay, maybe we average 6% but our returns are more consistent versus a person over here who has an average rate of return of nine. Well, they could have a much greater chance of running out of money than that person with a consistent rate of return. So that's part of the education process. It's, I don't think a lot of people have thought about it that way, average return versus consistent return, but you can kind of see the light bulb go off and go, Oh, okay, all right. Okay. That, that makes sense. So that's where we like to paint the least case scenario. Same thing with when we claim social security. Okay. Then maybe let's use a low end number. Cause I have people countless times come in here and go, well, I don't even want to count social security. 
that's a person's opinion and, and that's fine. I understand it. Social security is going to be there, especially people who are getting close to that social security age. They're, they're not going to pull the rug out of from underneath people and say, Oh, sorry, your social security benefits gone. That's not going to happen. If we want to lose, use a lesser amount. Okay. That's I'll, I'll, I'll go with that, but you're still going to get a benefit. Now, again, this is not a, you know, forecasting or a political discussion. I, I wholeheartedly believe Social Security is going to be there. They're going to make modifications to it if they have to. It's not just going to go away. Could they move the retirement age back? Sure. Could they not give that 8% increase for each year that you delay after your full retirement age? Sure, they could do that. There's a lot of buttons and knobs they can push to still keep a benefit there for people. But again, I want to get on a soapbox on that. But if we want to use a least case scenario on that, and then also too, so I'm sure many advisors out there have the same similar software, but you can run scenarios and it says, hey, based off of what you're doing now and what you want to do, you have a 80% chance of success. Well, some people look at 80% and go, oh gosh, they think of it as a test score. They think, oh gosh, I barely got to be on that. So that's not really good. Do we want to shoot for a higher percentage? Yes. But I tell people, think of this retirement thing and how they score it, think of it as chances of rain. So if you look at your phone app and see whether 80% chance of rain, probably going to rain. You know, it's more <laughs> very good chance it's going to rain. So I try to get the mindset of people to think of it that way that, oh, okay, 80% chance of rain. I'm looking at it going, okay, yeah, that's going to happen. So when they get an 80% chance of success based off of what they're doing, then, hey, that's pretty darn good. But we, we sit people down and go, okay, let's change this. Let's maybe wait a year on social security or save an extra $500 per month. What does that do to the percentage? And sometimes small tweaks like that go from 80 to 90 or 80 to even 95 plus. It's like, oh, wow, that's all I got to do. So when you paint that picture and you see kind of that that look in their eye like, oh, all right, that's, I mean, that's 100% why I do what I do is when you see that look on people and go, okay, we're, we're in better shape than we thought then that's where you start really refining what their goals are and they look much more attainable than maybe they thought previous. Yeah, I know the light bulb went off for me when you said the consistent versus average. I never really thought of it that way, but uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. So yeah, that's good stuff. Um, Well, look, financial goals, retirement goals, we all need to have them. We all want to be working towards something. And it's great to have somebody there that can help work you through these things, walk you through them, coach you through them. And that's what Ryan and his team over at Black Oak Asset Management are able to do for you. So check them out, blackoakam.com. You can schedule your Retirement Coach 360 session online there. Uh, But also, you can listen to past episodes of the podcast as well. Podcast pages up there on the website as well. It's got all the past episodes, plus every episode we'll have will go up there as well. So you know, if you miss anything, you can also check out the episodes there. So Ryan, I appreciate the conversation, man. This was really very interesting and uh, very helpful too, I think, even for me in terms of setting goals. So hopefully everybody got a little value out of it. Yeah, I appreciate the time. Yeah, it was definitely a little bit more uh, a little bit more philosophical than, than <laughs> maybe my nerd brain likes to get to, but that's, that's kind of where it starts. And then that's when you can start getting into the nitty gritty of, of the numbers. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thanks for being a part of Perfect Game Retirement. Uh, this podcast is over, but we have more coming. Uh, every, every couple of weeks, a new episode comes out. So hit subscribe and we'll talk to you on the next episode.
The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta, Cartersville, and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledden, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.